Welcome back. This is Sermons number 64, entitled Lands of the Giants, and we're going to continue our look at Deuteronomy. Um, you, you might remember that last time in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses talked about the Anakim, uh, the giants that the 12 spies saw in the land of Canaan. And then in chapter 2, he also talked about the Emim, the giants who at one time lived in the land of Moab, but who were driven out by the Moabites. Now, uh, we're going to continue now in chapter 2, verse 12, where Moses talks about yet another group of giants. The Horims also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them when they had destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead as Israel did unto the land of his possession, which the Lord gave unto them. Now, this land of Seir that it talks about here is also known as the land of Edom, and Esau's descendants are known as the Edomites. Uh, we've talked about them before, and how the Edomites wouldn't let the Israelites pass through their country on the way to the Promised Land, probably because they remembered how Jacob who later became Israel, uh, cheated Esau out of his birthright. But notice, the normal-sized Edomites drove out the giant-sized Horim, just as the normal-sized Moabites drove out the giant-sized Emim. Now, this, to me, this implies that the giants were not all that much bigger than normal people. If they had been as tall as the Book of Enoch said, for example, um, well, the, as tall as the Book of Enoch said that the Nephilim were, and, and we have to consider that, that these Anakim, Emim, Horim must have somehow descended from the Nephilim. They had Nephilim genes. Um, but if they had been that big, they could never have been defeated by normal-sized humans. <laughs> They would have just laughed and stepped on them or something, you know. So those crazy dimensions given by Enoch must have been a transcription error or, you know, some uh, um, attempt by an overzealous scribe or monk to uh, make things even more impressive. Now, I'm thinking these giant races were probably somewhere between seven and ten feet tall big enough to be considered giants, but not so big as to be invincible. Now rise up, said I, and get you over the brook Zered. Now, this is Moses speaking, remember, when he says I, that's Moses. And we went over the brook Zered. And in the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over the brook Zered was thirty and eight years. So, you know, the, the 40 years of wandering were almost up. Until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host, as the Lord swear unto them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. So it came to pass when all the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people, that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou art to pass over through Ar, the coast of Moab, this day. 
And when thou comest nigh over against the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them. For I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession, because I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession. Now this makes sense if you know that uh, Ammon and Moab were Lot's sons through incest with Lot's daughters. Now remember, they fled from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and took shelter uh, in the caves up in the mountains. But Lot's wife didn't make it because she was uh, hanging back, hoping that her other children would follow them. And uh, she got caught in the blast when the Yahwehians rained down the fire and brimstone. And she was uh, reduced to her uh, um, essential elements, you know, to a pile of chemicals, a pillar of salt. So the daughters, uh, you know, thought that the world had been destroyed and the only way they could restart civilization was to get their daddy drunk enough to have sex with both of them. <laughs> and Ammon and Moab were the result. That also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old time, and the Ammonites called them Zamzumims, or just Zumims in other uh, books and verses. A people great and many and tall as the Anakims, but the Lord destroyed them before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. So notice this doesn't say that the Ammonites destroyed the Zamzumim all by themselves. It said the Lord destroyed them. And whenever we see the Lord in the King James Old Testament, that's a translation of Yahweh. So the Yahwehlians destroyed the Zamzumim or, or helped the Ammonites to destroy them. As he did to the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, when he destroyed the Horims from before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead even unto this day. So again, the Yahwehlians helped the Edomites to destroy the Horim. And the Avims, which dwelt in Hazarim, even unto Azah, the Kaphtarims, which came forth out of Kaphtar, destroyed them and dwelt in their stead. So there's... A, the Nephilim, the Anakim, the Amim, Harim, Zamzumim, Avim, all these giant races that formerly ruled these lands but were later destroyed or driven out. Now, no doubt, these were the mighty men of old, the men, or at least their descendants, the men of renown that were mentioned in Genesis 6-4. Rise ye up, Take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given unto thine hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven, who shall hear report of thee and shall tremble and be in anguish because of thee. And I sent messengers out of the wilderness of Kedemoth unto Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through thy land. I will go along by the highway. I will neither turn unto the right hand nor to the left. Thou shalt sell me meat for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. 
so much for the idea that water was always free. Only I will pass through on my feet as the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and the Moabites, which dwell in Ar, did unto me, until I shall pass over Jordan into the land which the Lord our God giveth us. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Edomites, the, you know, the children of Esau, had denied the Israelites passage through their country too. I know they did initially. Did they uh, relent later on and let them pass through? I'm not sure. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. For the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into thy hand as appeareth this day. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land before thee. Begin to possess that thou mayest inherit his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and his people, to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him before us, and we smote him and his sons and all his people. And we took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain. Only the cattle we took for a prey unto ourselves and the spoil of the cities which we took. So this is like the Midianite massacre all over again, except this time they didn't even allow the virgins to live, you know, and become sex slaves or whatever. From a rower, which is by the brink of the river of Arnon, and from the city that is by the river, even unto Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all unto us. Only unto the land of the children of Ammon thou camest not, nor unto any place of the river Jabbok, nor unto the cities in the mountains, nor unto whatsoever the Lord our God forbade us. And now we're up to chapter 3. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edre. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand. And thou shalt do unto him as thou didst unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered unto our hands Og also, the king of Bashan, and all his people, and we smote him until none was left of him remaining. Then we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them, threescore cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars, beside unwalled towns a great many. And we utterly destroyed them, as we did unto Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the cattle and the spoil of the cities we took for a prey to ourselves. And we took at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, the land that was on this side Jordan, from the river of Arnon, unto Mount Hermon, which Hermon the Sidonians call Sirion, and the Amorites call it Shanir. Now remember, Mount Hermon is where the watchers came down to earth to mate with the earth women, which is how all these giant races got started. 
because the Watchers were giants, but, you know, they were not so big that they couldn't have sex with normal-sized human women. And they were close enough relatives to humans that they could produce offspring because the humans had been created using Watcher DNA. Yahwehlian DNA, anyway. Anunnaki DNA, same thing. The Anunnaki were depicted in ancient Sumerian artworks as giant-sized humans. You know, they were big, but they were human, or they appeared human. I've included an example in the show art. All the cities of the plain, and all Gilead, and all Bashan, unto Salcha and Edre, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Raboth of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. Now nine cubits is about thirteen and a half feet long, and four cubits about six feet wide. But that does not mean that Og was thirteen and a half feet tall, or six feet wide either. So Og was something less than 13 and a half feet tall because he wouldn't have wanted to have his head or his feet hanging off the bed. But maybe he was considerably less tall than that since Og, being a king, <laughs> would have had a harem and he would have wanted some extra room to uh, stretch out with one or more members of his harem. <laughs> so it's good to be king. It's good to be a mighty man of old, a man of renown. And this land, which we possessed at that time, from Aurora, which is by the river Arnon, and half Mount Gilead and the cities thereof, gave I unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites. And the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh. All the region of Argob and all Bashan, which was called the land of giants. Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the country of Argob unto the coasts of Geshuri and Machathi, and called them after his own name, Bashan Havath Jair, unto this day. And I gave Gilead unto Machir, and unto the Reubenites and unto the Gadites I gave from Gilead even unto the river Arnon, half the valley and the border even unto the river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Ammon. The plain also in Jordan and the coast thereof, from Chinnereth even unto the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, the Dead Sea, under Ashdoth Pisgah eastward. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God hath given you this land to possess it, you shall pass over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel, all that are meet for the war. But your wives and your little ones and your cattle, for I know that you have much cattle, shall abide in your cities, which I have given you, until the Lord have given rest unto your brethren, as well as unto you, and until they also possess the land which the Lord your God hath given them beyond Jordan. And then shall ye return every man unto his possession, which I have given you. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings, 
so shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. And he has superior military equipment and expertise and fighting men or fighting gods. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to shew thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain, and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes, and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. So Moses is still trying to blame the people for his own mistake. He says, The Lord was wroth with me for your sakes. The Lord wasn't wroth with him for their sakes. The Lord was wroth with him because he was disobedient. He was told to merely command the stone to bring forth water. But instead, you know, he opted for the more dramatic effect of striking it with his staff as he had done on an earlier occasion. And this worked again. But, you know, the Israelites had already seen that magic trick and the Yahwehlians had wanted to demonstrated that, that, that it could be done in a touchless manner, you know, without even touching the stone. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth Peor. And now we're up to chapter four. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. For to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. But now, isn't that exactly what Moses did when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it? You know, he was not changing the commandments of the Lord. He wanted to do the trick that he liked rather than the one that the Yahwehlians wanted him to do. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. Now, Baal Peor, you may remember, was the local version of the god Baal in the place called Peor, where Yahweh's jealousy caused him to, to destroy 23 or 24,000 Israelites who cheated on him with Baal Peor. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, 
Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near, and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. So to prevent the Israelites and people in general from making a graven image of him, he didn't reveal his appearance when he gave the law. But you know, he didn't have any problem with walking in the garden with Adam or, you know, with uh, appearing to Abraham along with uh, his landing party that, you know, that was sent to evacuate Lot and his family from Sodom. And it's kind of inconsistent even in the time of Moses. You know, one time it says that no man can see the face of God and live. And yet, you know, this image of God was said to appear in the mercy seat atop the Ark of the Covenant. So I guess maybe it has to do with the importance of the occasion. You know, maybe the giving of the law at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai uh, was such an important event, you know, that humans would be more likely to make a graven image of, of, of the giver of that law, you know, the great lawgiver. The likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. And lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldst be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes. <laughs> Moses really is in denial. And, and swear that I should not go over Jordan. 
and that I should not go in unto that good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, but I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Now, when it says that Yahweh is a jealous God, I think we should take that literally as meaning that, you know, he was jealous of any other gods. Just like you wouldn't want your wife or your girlfriend, you know, carrying around pictures of other guys or, or, or having them on her walls. Um, would, that would make you jealous. And it would make you jealous in the same way that God would be jealous if you made an idol to some other god. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image, or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God, to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land, whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. So they don't eat or smell like Yahweh does. You know, he was physical. They were physical. Lord Yahweh, you know, the main main man, or the Yahweh Elohim, uh, the Yahwehian gods, were, were physical. They saw, they heard, they ate, they smelled. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. Well, this is kind of uh, mellowing uh, Yahweh's usual harsh, isn't it? For ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from the one side of heaven unto the other, whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing is, or hath been heard like it. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou hast heard and live? Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Unto thee it was shewed that thou mightest know that the Lord he is God. There is none else beside him. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, 
that he might instruct thee, and upon the earth he shewed thee his great fire, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them, and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt, to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in, to give thee their land for an inheritance, as it is this day. Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above, and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee, and with the children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Well, once again, we're out of time. And we'll pick it up from this point next time. Uh, until then, keep the faith. Stretch out in that king-size bed like the <laughs> mighty men of old.